The world's two largest economies playing tug of war on trade. Donald Trump attacks an American war hero and calls Vladimir Putin a fine person. And the rock and roll golden oldies gift Trump allegedly sent to Kim Jong-un, signed by the Donald himself. This is the State of America Tonight. It's a trade war between the U.S. and China. It's on and it is real. A few months ago, it was put in a big fiscal stimulus. So if you didn't have that happening right now, this would be a bigger deal. Scott Pruitt is out at the EPA. I had an intern law student put together a list of all of his alleged violations, and it was 13 pages long. The beauty with ICE, they're so tough. When you have these MS-13 thugs come in, ICE goes in and wipes them out like nothing because they're much tougher. The depravity of the Trump administration is on display with this issue for the entire world to see. Hello, everyone. I'm John Avalon, live in New York. Kate Baldwin is off tonight. And to our viewers watching around the world, this is the State of America Tonight. President Trump is getting an early start to the weekend in New Jersey, where he's ensconced at one of the many golf resorts that bear his name. But could this be a case of fiddling while Rome burns? Perhaps, because there are no public events scheduled this Friday, while significant domestic and foreign issues abound. We'll kick it off with China, which is fulfilling its vow to slap $34 billion in retaliatory tariffs on the United States, citing what it calls unjust moves on the part of the Trump administration. But the president doesn't seem too worried about it. The war was lost on trade many years ago. The war was lost, but now we're going to win it. And because we have all the cards. And today we got a peek at one reason for President Trump's confidence. Much better than expected jobs data for last month. This is one of the reasons why you hear from the the trade advisors in the White House that the president is confident that this is the right time for the U.S. to be Mm -hmm. making these moves on trade, even as the conventional wisdom is otherwise. The president's confident the U.S. economy is very strong here, and these numbers uh, back up the strength of the economy. And then there's the midterms, and Mr. Trump's oft-repeated campaign vow to help American workers by cracking down on foreign trading partners. But a former advisor to Vice President Biden says Trump's actions could have unintended and, in fact, harmful consequences on his core constituency. Globalization is so embedded now in American production, there are no pure American cars. Every car that you see is an imported car. Every good that you process tends to have imported components. So when we throw tariffs on imports coming into this country, we're not uh, necessarily helping domestic producers when those products are inputs into what they create. And that's why I'm afraid this is going to eventually, if it lasts, hurt American jobs and consumers. That would be bad. And a trade war wasn't the only thing on Trump's mind during that raucous rally in Montana last night. The president spouted off on the economy, pop culture, and of course, his political rivals. In a stunning attack, even by Trumpian standards, the president took direct aim at Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren, while also knocking the Me Too movement. Let's say I'm debating Pocahontas, right? I promise you I'll do this. I will take, you know those little kits they sell on television for $2? Learn your heritage. We will take that little kit and say, but we have to do it gently. Because we're in the Me Too generation, so we have to be very gentle. And we will very gently take that kit 
and we will slowly toss it, hoping it doesn't hit her and injure her arm. Now, this from a man whose candidacy was endangered after that Access Hollywood tape showed the ugly side of his womanizing. And the comments also came on the same day that White House announced Bill Shine would be joining their team. Now, this is the same Bill Shine who resigned from Fox News after being accused of covering up a series of sexual harassment scandals involving on-air talent. Shine has been hired to helm the communications team, but at least one Republican strategist says that the only message that matters is the one his boss delivers personally. Many times when he gets before these crowds, his most adoring fans, um, he loves to sort of, you know, pick somebody who's an easy foil like Elizabeth Warren and attack them and get, a, get an applause line. Um, it's not moving the ball on his agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. It's creating a huge distraction for him rhetorically, but the president doesn't care. And that's why he's really the communications director of this White House. But why stop the controversial comments there? Let's listen to something else the president said last night. They're going, will President Trump be prepared? You know, President Putin is KGB and this and that. You know what? Putin's fine. He's fine. We're all fine. There's nothing to worry about, folks. For one Democrat on the House Intel Committee, the president's praise of Putin was anything but fine. I guess I wonder what our allies think. Uh, the president also left it open to recognize uh, Russia's annexation of Crimea. Uh, If I'm Ukraine, Georgia, the Baltics, even Poland, I'm wondering if I'm next to be sold out. Does anyone in NATO trust us? Uh, The world order created after the Second World War is under attack by its primary architect. It's an extraordinary statement. And now we go from Putin to Pyongyang, where Mike Pompeo faces growing pressure to get some clarity on North Korea's vague pledge to denuclearize. But the Secretary of State is trying to manage expectations. CNN's Andrew Stevens is in Seoul. Pompeo has been dialing back a bit, as he suggested, on expectations. He's already said that he's not expecting a timeline from North Korea on denuclearization. Uh, and uh, indeed, we're not even sure what sort of concrete steps the US are asking for and what is on the table as far as North Korea is concerned. Now, the CIA's former deputy division chief for Korea says words matter when it comes to getting rid of that stockpile, especially when that word is denuclearization. They see denuclearization uh, as global arms control, so that as a new member of the nuclear club, they'll go down to zero once the rest of the world, including the United States, goes down to zero. And what about the president's claim last night that the threat is over because of recent halt and missile tests? Having eight months of no tests is is fine, but we need to remember there have been numerous cases where we had uh, three to six years of no tests. So that in and of itself is is not a real metric of success. Secretary Pompeo really does need to get North Korea to publicly and unequivocally commit to abandoning its nuclear arsenal, as well as the missile and biochem warfare programs. And if it's Friday, it must be time for another installment of White House Survivor. Today, being voted off the island is one Scott Pruitt, the EPA chief, who's currently facing no less than 14 ethics investigations. You can see some of them right there on your screen. Now, in a resignation letter, Pruitt, like many before him in this administration, heaped praise on his now former boss, saying in part, quote, I believe you are serving as president today because of God's providence. I believe that same providence brought me into your service. Now, two things here. Notice that 
Pruitt said he was in service to President Trump, not the United States, the taxpayers, or the American people. And it's worth asking that if he believes that God put him in that cabinet position, who took him out? But for at least one Democrat who's been a very vocal critic, it was well past time to show Scott Pruitt the door. It's just unbelievable. In any other administration, Democrat or Republican, he'd have been gone months and months ago. You know, Trump says today that he didn't fire him, but he, if he, a good boss would have fired him a long, long time ago. It was megalomaniacal, unethical to the nth degree. It was quite the parade of scandals. But sources tell CNN that inside the White House, there is a sense of relief today that Pruitt had lost the confidence of top aides, including Chief of Staff John Kelly. Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger said the controversies overshadowed the agenda Pruitt was pursuing at the environmental agency. As a Republican, I liked a lot of the policies coming out of the EPA. I thought the EPA was returning to its mission of interpreting congressional laws instead of making its own. But then all these things that were coming out around it, some may be scandals, some may be visual issues. At bottom line, it was taking a lot of this off message. But for those like the congressman who applauded Pruitt's work, have no fear. The man tapped to be Pruitt's replacement, Andrew Wheeler. A man who Forbes says earned more than $700,000 in recent years as, wait for it, a coal lobbyist. We'll leave it for you to decide if this is draining the swamp. But it's also worth asking whether someone who runs the Environmental Protection Agency should be primarily concerned with, you know, protecting the environment. Now, turning to something else that hasn't worked out so well for the Trump administration, the separation of undocumented families at the border and the subsequent scramble to reverse course. Thousands of children remain in limbo beyond barbed wired fences without their parents. How many? Well, we don't know exactly because the government won't say. But we do know that figures cited by the officials are ticking up when they should be going down. You'd think there'd be a process in place, receipts, kind of like this. Now, Danny Ocean was reunited with his belongings, a wedding ring, tuxedo, watch, when he got out of prison in the film Ocean's Eleven, standard procedure. So why can't the system be as efficient when the stakes are much higher, involving children's lives instead of just property? Now, the government is resorting to giving DNA tests in an effort to watch match parents with children. To ensure that, in fact, these are parents of the children and ensure that they are suitable, suitable individuals to go back to these parents for. We're doing DNA testing on everybody who claims to be, be the parent of one of our children. Now the Trump administration is up against a series of court-ordered deadlines on the subject most pressing. By this Tuesday, all children under the age of five are supposed to be reunited with their parents. But it's unclear if the deadline will be met and the government might seek an extension. A trickle of families have been reunited, but not because of the government efforts, but because of individual lawsuits to speed up the process. Our cameras were there on one such very emotional reunion. Now that mother was reunited with her daughter after 56 days apart. For the remaining under 3,000, it is still a waiting game. Coming up, round one in a trade war with China and the next phase of nuclear talks with North Korea. Donald Trump's foreign policies are being put to the test today. And our all-star panel weighs in next.
Foreign policy is front and center for the Trump administration today. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in North Korea for talks on their nuclear program. But first, the U.S. and China have launched the opening salvo in their trade war as both countries ordered steep new tariffs on goods worth tens of billions of dollars. The panel tonight, Kevin Sheridan, former spokesman for the Republican National Committee, Joe Borelli, Republican commentator and New York City councilman from The Rock, Sam Vinograd, CNN national security analyst, and Oliver Darcy, CNN's senior media reporter. Sam, I'm going to start with you because you worked in the Obama administration on national security and foreign issues. How much did you take China's ambitions seriously and how did you try attempt to contain them? Did you ever look at tariffs? We did look at tariffs and we looked at every tool in the toolbox to try to contain and deal with China's really aggressive behavior. Cybersecurity, intellectual property theft, cyber espionage, where the Chinese government actually goes in and steals trade secrets to help their economy. And we had some successes. There was a Sunnyland summit that President Obama had with President Xi. But there was also a lot of room for improvement. And the fact of the matter is that what we're seeing now, all the headlines, are dominated by this self-inflicted tariff wound. And we're not talking about everything that China's doing wrong and getting away with. There are 41 disputes pending against China at the WTO today. But guess what? The United States has become the bad boy of international trade. And, and the TPP, you've made the point, might have been a more effective way to contain uh, them. But, Kevin, let me go with you, because you worked for Mitt Romney. He was very hawkish on foreign policy, presenting a vision that had a lot of continuity with previous Republican uh, administrations and was famously a free trader. He's the ultimate uh, geopolitical capitalist. So as a Republican, seeing a president abandon free trade in, in favor of tariffs, does that make you a bit queasy? Or do you believe that this is just the toughness we've been waiting for? Yeah, the, the argument from the Trump administration is this is a means to an end, and if that end is lower tariffs for everyone or, or concessions on cyber or, or whatever from China that they can get, um, then that's a good thing that I think Republicans will largely support. Republicans, though, are still a party of pro-free trade. Really? Uh, they, they do not. This is the one. 87% approval rating among Republicans. Right, but not, not on the trade, trade issue. On the trade issue, I think you will see a real split if this, uh, if this trade war goes on for very long. If, they, if we see actual economic impact, and you are hearing economists say it could take a point off of GDP, if that actually were to happen, I think the Republican Party en masse would rise up and say, stop this, take a, whatever concession you can get, declare victory, move on. We've got a great economy humming. Don't, don't ruin this for So us. you're prescribing wave the white flag, declare victory yeah. to save the midterms. Interestingly, I, I, there was a, a South Dakota soybean farmer today who said, Mr. President, stop messing with our markets. It'll be interesting to see if they listen. Chamber Oliver, uh, let's, let's go to you because one of the fascinating things, this president has a love for television personalities serving alongside him in the administration. His reality show roots. Larry Kudlow, chief economic advisor, has made a lifetime of defending free market ideas. Earlier in April, he was asked about tariffs, because it's such a contradiction. And here's what he said. We don't have any tariffs enacted yet. These are proposals, and they're part of the discussion and negotiations. Senator Ernst is a key player. I respect it. She's probably raising good points um, at the moment. Let's see how it plays out. You know, don't forget, technically, both countries have just proposed tariffs. There's been nothing enacted. So what Larry Kudlow is saying is, look, I'm not contradicting my position. This is just a negotiation, people. 
Don't get so worked up. It's not necessarily going to happen. Is this kind of the risk that people raise when they serve in the administration? And do you think this was inevitable, that Larry Kudlow is going to have to be defending protectionism, whether he likes it or not? I think Larry Kudlow is going to have to be defending a lot of things because the Trump administration goes back and forth on so many issues. And I think certainly that's one of the issues with serving in the Trump administration. Um, Republicans who hold traditional conservative views are often forced to go with the Trumpian way of things, which is often completely in con- like con- contradicting what the uh, typical Republican view of things are. So this is one example of it, but I think there's a host of issues where people like Kudlow have to go out, stay on camera, and say things that have contradicted their record in the past. And, and that's a tough line to walk. But Joe, look, in the president's defense, he really did reshuffle the political map by showing American workers that he was going to take their concerns about free trade seriously. So are people standing on ceremony when it comes to philosophy? Or is there a real danger in the midterms that some of these crucial Midwestern states like Iowa and Michigan, farming and, 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 and you know, car manufacturing, the, his base could see real pain well, if, from if you, you know, you're talking about the tariffs today on soybeans uh, and pork, which are the two biggest uh, agricultural tariffs that were just implemented. Uh, USDA rates the congressional uh, districts by how much they produce, and the top 25 congressional districts for both of them, uh, only three of them are even toss-up districts, and they're the same three for all three. So I don't think it's actually going to have that big of an impact uh, on the midterms per se, uh, but, you know, th- this is day 500 and, and whatever, uh, and, we, and we, we can't just be finally realizing that Donald Trump is doing things that are outside the mainstream of what Republicans have normally would done. I will point out, though, that CNBC just announced that the trade deficit uh, between the U.S. and foreign countries is at its lowest level since 2015. Seems like a good time for a trade war. Uh, <laughs> but, Joe, I, I think, you know, your message there is don't Things worry too okay. much about the midterms. Let's just keep going. The economy's humming. Now's the right time for a trade war if you're going to have one. <laughs> Certainly that's what we're hearing for the administration. Coming up, insults against political opponents are run-of-the-mill fair at Trump rallies. We all know that. But did the president go too far by mocking one of his ailing presidential predecessors last night? Our panel weighs in next. You see the thousand points of light. What the hell was that, by the way? Thousand points of light. What did that mean? Does anyone know? I know one thing. Make America great again, we understand. Putting America first, we understand. Thousand points of light. I never quite got that one. What the hell is that? Has anyone ever figured that one out? It was put out by a Republican, wasn't it? It was, in fact, put out by a Republican, and not just any Republican. He's mocking what became former President George H.W. Bush's signature volunteer initiative. He slammed the ailing 94-year-old along with many others at a freewheeling rally in Montana. But one notable person got singled out for praise. You guessed it, Russian President Vladimir Putin. Let's get back to the panel and dig into all of this. Oliver, let's start with you. You are a media maven-type reporter. You cover the right often. And Donald Trump has an amazing ability to take on Republican sacred cows and get cheered by the base for it. Is this genius-level political persuasion, or is this just people coming to see the circus and not taking them seriously or literally? I think it's a number of things. I think one thing that Trump has going for him, though, is a media on the right that's willing to give him cover on virtually anything. Um, you can turn on Fox News every single day, and they will provide Trump cover on, on flip-flopping positions regarding trade, regarding abortion. We've seen this throughout the campaign, and we now see this during his presidency. So I think that's one thing, that people who are um, going to the rallies are not necessarily watching CNN or reading the New York Times and aware 
often of the contradictory positions he's taking or the policies that he might be implementing that could impact their businesses in, uh, like in regards to tariffs. Um, but it's another thing, I think they just go for the show, and they enjoy watching him attack people um, like Bush, like McCain, and rivals like Hillary Clinton. It's just, it just it's one part of the circus. show. Yeah. So, Joe, look, we can talk about conservative populists who are eating it up. It's part of the spectacle of being at a Trump rally. It's part of the fun, if you will. But at some point, democracy is supposed to be about uh, civic discourse and some kind of elevation of, in self-government. Situational ethics. No, I, seem, I, I hold on, let me, let me push you on one specific question. If a democratic populist had insulted Bush 41 and John McCain and praised Vladimir Putin, would you be taking it into stride or would you be screaming bloody murder? Well, was that same administration the one who gave sanctions, expelled diplomats, you know, no, killed, answer the question. killed, killed uh, Russian mercenaries? Or was it the administration that, you know, allowed them to annex Crimea, allowed them to invade so I, I appreciate the right. whataboutism, but right. actually just I'm deal with the question. These days. Yeah, but, and, and yet that's a Russian gift to us. You should be aware of that. But, um, but in all seriousness, I mean, wouldn't it offend you if a Democratic president said exactly what Donald Trump did? I mean, maybe. I mean, yes, certainly. You know, uh, I don't want to hear Donald Trump praising Vladimir Putin any more than anyone else, but I think their record is much more hawkish uh, and much more confrontational with Russia than anything Barack Obama had done. Well, this is sort of the gap between the administration and, and, and the president itself. I just have to shake my Please. head here, though. This is what everybody goes back to when they're defending the president helping Vladimir Putin at a campaign rally. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter who the toughest guy in the room is. We're still under live Russian attack. And this campaign rally yesterday should be considered a campaign rally for Vladimir Putin because the president used it to compliment him and to spread misinformation and disinformation to confuse the American public. Those are Russian objectives, not American ones. Let me ask you a question, because you put on, you, you served, staffed a former president and you did these foreign uh, meetings. Is it, how unusual is it for a president to request a private meeting with a foreign leader of a hostile power without any aides in the room? It's really unlikely. In the last Putin meeting that I staffed, it was two-on-two because Vladimir Putin is a really skilled manipulator. He's a really skilled negotiator. He's a former spy. Why would the president of the United States want to put himself in that position? Is it hubris? Is it inexperience? He's literally setting himself up to be manipulated by a guy who's really good at what he's doing. Any other answers there, potentially? I mean, you know, A, B, you know, C, all of the above. Kevin, um, you know, one of the things that I think really struck me about him hitting the Thousand Points of Light Foundation is that that speech, written by Peggy Noonan, is about volunteerism. It's about a spirit of volunteerism. Now, we talk about free trade as a basis of the Republican Party, but one of the core conservative arguments against big government in America, going back to debates over the New Deal, was that volunteerism should do not what bureaucrats. So that the, the spirit of genius of America is these volunteer organizations. He's taking dead aim at that core philosophical argument at the heart of conservatism. Is that just a sign that it's never been about the ideas? Well, in fairness, he asked the rhetorical question, and I don't know that he really knows the answer to it. <laughs> what it means? What, what is the thousand points of light? The, the thousand points of light was it's, a... It's bad branding, and he knows branding. If you, you yeah, have to give him that. He certainly knows branding. The thousand branding, points of light was civic society. You're right. Uh, you know, being the backbone of, of our democracy and being able to fill in the gaps where government should not and cannot, and that is a core belief of the Republican Party. Now, Donald Trump comes from the Democratic Party. He is... He sees the world in a very different view. I'm not view. sure you he, can pass him off on the Democrats at this point when he's completely yeah, That's what about is in the opposite way, right? No, no, it's actually <laughs> just saying that, I suppose. But look, I mean, you know, but I think one of the things is this it's a party of ideas. That's what you heard from a lot of Romney staffers and Bush staffers. Do you still believe it's the party of those ideas in your heart? Or are you having a crisis of political faith? 
Well, no, he, because his, his rhetoric often doesn't match what's happening in the administration. And, and you can say that's, you know, that's deflection or whatever you want to say. But his administration has been the most conservative administration we've ever seen in our lifetime. It's been more conservative on, on judges, on deregulation, on tax reform than any on of those the, three issues. Uh, well, even on foreign policy, I think he's been he's been very hawkish on foreign policy. His rhetoric doesn't match the Vladimir Putin stuff that I do still to this day don't understand what his end goal right. is with that. But he is he has taken a, a stronger line. Than a There's lot of a conservative have. pony in there somewhere. Yeah. Thank you very much, panel. I appreciate your time. This is day 533 of President Trump's administration. And folks, it is just 123 days until the midterm elections. That is the state of America tonight, and we'll see you back here next week. Have a good week. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.